Hello, and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. Okay, this isn't a secret at all, but I love food. Like, a lot. A little too much, let's be real. Which is why I make it a point of having friends who are famous for loving food as well. I mean, go listen to my episode with John Kong and Drag Race's Kimchi. We went deep into our loves of all things Asian food, and I legit left that episode very, very hungry. And guess what? I'm going to leave this episode hungry as well, and hopefully you will too, because today I'll be chatting with my friend and Instagram famous cook, Jake Cohen. If you don't know Jake Cohen, you need to. He specializes in making delicious Jewish cuisine, but with a mainstream twist. And it's that twist that has not only made him hugely successful on social media, but also in the world of successful cookbooks, because his second book, I Could Nosh, just hit the New York Times bestseller list. For the record, I love that I have friends on the New York Times bestseller list. It's a huge bragging point. But it's that twist he does with popular Jewish dishes that makes his new cookbook so fun because he points out ways you can make Jewish food, Jewish comfort food in a way that is like accessible and of course, incredibly yummy. And because Jake is Instagram's favorite cook, he naturally will be at FoodieCon presented by Instagram. It's a first of its kind event hosted by the most influential content creators within the food and beverage community, taking place on October 14th at the Hard Rock Hotel in New York City. It will explore the intersection of food, culture, and social media, all in support of New York City Wine and Food Festival's charitable partner, God's Love We Deliver, New York City's only provider of life-sustaining meals and nutrition counseling. Honestly, this event looks like so much fun. If you're like me and you've like deep dived on Instagram or TikTok or wherever, mainly, mainly Instagram, let's be real. And you go crazy on some of these food dishes on Instagram. I mean, these cooks out there do incredible things. And some of the influencers that are going to be at FoodieCon are like the people that I obsess over on Instagram. People like Tiffany Chen, I mean, Lynn Davis, Brian Lindo, Chris Joe. I mean, there are so many great great influencers that are going to be there and content creators that are going to be there doing their dishes live. I mean, Palak Patel, I mean, there's just, you have to go to this event if you can. And if you can't, you should go to FoodieCon and follow them on Instagram because it is definitely, definitely worth it. Now, tickets can be purchased at nycwff.org slash foodiecon and follow along with FoodieCon on Instagram. And I'll leave links for everything in this episode's show notes. Don't worry about that. So go on and grab a snack literally for this episode because this episode is best while snacking. I think most of my episodes literally are best while snacking. I mean, most things in life are best done while snacking. Am I right? Am I right? Of course I'm right. Um, I will be right back with Jake Cohen. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. It's so great to see you. I love this. I love this. Oh, um, my God. Have you made anything from the book? I, well, I made the apple cake. Duh. Oh, yeah. Of course. Love, I love made that before the book even came, though. 
We love, we love, we love. Because I love. It was a big hit. Everyone loved it. You know, I mean, of course, everything I make from yours is a big hit. So, mm. of course, mm. of course. Um, you're, The book, the book, incredible. I love it. I Everything about it. I mean, it's just, you know that. But I mean, I'm biased because I love you. So, like, there's a problem there. Like, I can't be completely, you know, unbiased. Um, But the what I love about it, which I wasn't expecting, is, I mean, like, it's sort of like Jewish food with, like, kind of a mainstream American twist in a way. Like there's elements of it that are like, kind of like, don't be afraid of the Jewiness. You know what I mean? Like how was that intentional? A hundred percent. And the fact that you kind of picked up on it is everything because that's kind of what I really wanted to lean in on is this idea that our food is everyday food. Mm -hmm. Our food is mainstream. Our food is a hundred percent modern and fresh and can be all of the things that we are seeing with every other culture that's getting celebrated. So to see that, uh, response from this book is exactly what I wanted. I mean, you had me, there's a whole, I don't know if it's a chapter, but there's a section on like options for like pizza, like things involving Holland <laughs> and whatnot. And literally like, I mean, you know me, we're close, but, and I can easily get turned on by a lot of things, but that turned me on. Like it was so good. good, good. I mean, that's, do you, I mean, do you often partake in a hala pizza situation? Yeah. It's my mother's favorite thing in the world. When I tell you she goes crazy and the whole idea is it's like you, you make your hala dough. You have to make hala and have to do something else. And that could be the monkey bread for dessert, Mm -hmm. the, the hala wrapped hot dogs for an appetizer or the calzone where you stuff it with soft cheese and pesto. And it is so good so stupidly easy <laughs> and like uh, all of a sudden people think that you're this this crazy prophet who's making <laughs> a foul calzone when it's it's not that difficult i haven't tried it yet but i'm very i'm very eager to cheese scares me um but i'm i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 gonna attempt it so your Rightfully first so your first book was like kind of an introduction to everything that's amazing about you and like you know everything that you do was it hard to sort of think of things for a second book? Because we know you now, so it's sort of like, what do you put in the second book? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's much harder to do the second because for the first, you actually also have this backlog of recipes that you've been making for so long. Mm-hmm. So much of the first book was kind of the, the, this, this mashup of, of everything I've done Mm-hmm. up to that point uh and the second book was starting from from scratch i think one of the things that helped me the most that i really leaned into after i finished my first book was i started really focusing on uh cooking a lot of family recipes and going mm-hmm. into like my great grandmother's recipe box uh a lot of recipes kind of transcribed from my husband's aunt mm-hmm. and starting from there as this jumping off point for inspiration of the way that the matriarchs of our family feed yeah. everyone they love and i think that was like the best thing i could have ever done because it, it just was this magical connection to our families to the way that we eat mm-hmm. um in addition to starting to see these crazy parallel from recipes that were from the 50s or 60s or yeah. 80s and 90s 
and how we could so quickly make them feel so 2023. Yeah. So that, that was really special. You know, I would I, I could never do a cookbook because if I went into my mother's recipe book, it would literally just be clippings from Ladies Home Journal. Like that's our family recipes is other recipes that people have done. So it's <laughs> there's nothing but original. That's, that's actually that's part of it. Yeah. And, and I think one of my favorite things is there's so many recipes that start with a clipping yeah. and then you start to see index card after index card of how these women have changed the recipe and they started doing yeah. this to it or that and you see the evolution over years of what they did with all of these clippings and how they made them their own and to me that is like that's the story and yeah. that's the magic my mother's thing is just add sugar like literally to everything <laughs> savory or sweet just add more sugar Not, no. it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. so of all the jewish foods that i mean I, I, we've talked about this i don't know if we talked about it on air or publicly or privately or what but what is the most like mainstream jewish food would you say bagels bagels oh wow okay bagels. and and that's a that is a a, a t- touchy thing because it's not exclusively jewish but it is a dish that yeah. was brought to america and popularized by polish shoes yeah. um and and it's so integrated into the way that we eat breakfast and yet still so disassociated from being called jewish yeah uh and i, I always found that fascinating but there are there there's so many so many incredible stories and connections to Jewish foods that go mainstream. Um, and part of it is just like, I don't know, going along for the ride and just being happy that, that our food is still being preserved and celebrated. Yeah. Yeah. There's a joke someone's had that like, you know, you're an LA Jew if you have Jews in your, or have bagels in your freezer. You know what I mean? Like if always you, because you can't get good bagels. So I have to like ship them in and then put them in a freezer. It's, I'm jealous of your location for that reason. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, so like social media, I mean, you your career is because of social media in a lot of ways. Like everything you've done is sort of, I mean, you also have, you've done other amazing things, but like social media exploded you in a way. And I want to know, like, is it, do, is it difficult for you to keep up with the content creation that you have to do in order to, also your food budget must be like insane. Like, how do you, how do you come up with it all? Wow. Um, yes and yes. Uh, I will say the, I, I ebb and flow with social. Obviously the book just came out. So I've been kind of on this campaign of like, great every day, another, another post, like making a recipe, showing people why they should be cooking from this book. Because to me, it's like the book is not successful. If everyone buys it, the book is successful. Everyone buys it and cooks from it. Um, And so selling the recipes is always like, first and foremost, what I try to do. Um, And then like, sometimes I get burnt out and I got to step away from it as a, as a whole, which I'm getting pretty close to. And then (laughs) that's the best part is that you can go, you can come back. That's the beauty of social, Um, the food budget. I mean, Yes, but at the end of the day, this is all the food that I'm I'm eating. This is how I'm feeding myself and my family, and then I bring it to people and things and mm-hmm. people's birthdays. I'm I'm the kind of person that never shows up empty-handed. I will give just because you are the person who loves tea, loves celeb. Like we're yeah. we're on we're yes. talking. So this week was a crazy week oh. because I, I went up to Bedford to cook with Martha, and naturally what you show up empty-handed insane i would never i baked her a batch of my date brownies from the book and i show up and we go into her kitchen and she first off she's like oh do you do you want a cappuccino i was like yes then she's like oh do you want an egg 
Um, and I was like, oh, no, no. And then her, another friend of hers was like, don't say no when Martha <laughs> offers you an egg. I was like, sure, I would love. And she, she makes us some scrambled eggs. Delicious. Yeah. Um, and then I cut up the date brownies and, and she tried it. We got rave reviews, which was a blessing. Yeah. Um, but it, it was just one of those things where I'm always cooking. I'm always creating. Uh, but it always serves dual purpose. So to yeah. me, it's it's a it's it's never at a loss. Well, and it kind of forces you to be social too, because like the food will go to waste if you're not. You know what I mean? <laughs> My mother has ingrained such a level of shame around food waste that nothing <laughs> will ever go to waste in my kitchen. Also, Martha Stewart. I mean. Of everyone who could be an honorary Jew, it's Martha Stewart. You know what I mean? It's Completely. Like, she's totally a Jewish mother because she will both offend you and love you in the same sentence. Like she'll give you, she'll tell you exa- exactly what she thinks, but also be like, but you're fine. <laughs> when I tell you, it, I've never felt so comfortable. Um, <laughs> I've never felt so in awe of someone. And at the same time, the radical candor she does with everyone around her incredible incredible magic oh amazing so i love watching i mean when i was a kid i was obsessed with like cooking shows and my mother even told me a story once that like i was obsessed with this one pbs cooking show we were poor and i i went to the fridge or went to the fridge took the eggs out and started throwing eggs in the oven and screaming i'm a cooking i'm a cook i was obsessed with it i was obsessed with like shows and cooking and all these things at like a very very young age and even now i find i i watch it to like calm myself down i i rarely ever cook along with it rarely ever but it calms me down and i feel like for a lot of people who are like that who are like me the thought of executing what i'm watching online like watching you cook for example I, I don't know if I can do it. It stresses me out. I don't know if I have the space, whatever, blah, blah, blah. What advice do you have for people who love to watch what you do, but don't feel like they can probably do it as well as you do it? Yeah, it's a very much like a share moonstruck moment. It's yeah. just like slap across the face, snap out of it. <laughs> I think that's something that I do constantly is really, and it's funny because we get into the, this conversation, the, the, I'm very blessed. The book just made the times bestseller list. Yes. But one of the, the big conversations is like, why are cookbooks mashed up? Cause we have to go against all self-help books. Cause it's um, how to uh, self-help miscellaneous. And it, it's funny because on one end it doesn't make any sense, but on the other end, mm-hmm. A cookbook very much is a self-help book. And my job is to inspire you to find the confidence to cook, to know that it's going to come out great, Mm -hmm. to know that you have it within your capacity to entertain, to make something that you've never made before. And there is something really kind of magical about that. Um, So it's not lost on me that it is so much work to push someone over the edge from just viewer to cook. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really do take away sort of, I mean, sometimes the stress also too. let's be real, like Instagram, there's, there's a thirst element sometimes to your Instagram posts because you have the gun show out when you're braiding, when you're kneading the dough, if you will, like you're doing, you're feeding the algorithm exactly in the way that Instagram's algorithm needs. You know what I mean? And what I want to know is where did, like, as you're doing it and as you're creating your content, as you were building your brand, where did the shove it in your face thing come from? 
it came in the very beginning and the whole reason is that I'm a clown. I don't take myself yeah. very seriously. And I think what happened was is there would be all these people and when when these videos started of people doing these cooking videos on social, everything would be so precious. So precious. And when I would do my videos, I kept I never would like plate it because I, I would always be like serving it to people or be it, it's all food that would be going to the table immediately. Mm -hmm. So I'd be filming it quickly. So the last shot would never be like me on a plate that's sitting down, taking a bite. It'd be me taking a fork into the pot, into whatever I'm doing yeah. and just taking a big bite because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I started doing the voiceovers, it was just like people would, would always make fun of how I inhale food. <laughs> and so I was just like, ah, and shove it in your mouth because like what, else? that's what you're doing. You put in the work, yeah. you got a great dish. Now eat it. Yeah. Have people, how have people reacted to it? Like in person, as you go to book events and stuff, like do people, do people say that to you? People say it to me, <laughs> you know, who says it to me? Oh, it's, you know, whose favorite thing it is. Um, literally when she blurred my book, she even put it in Katie Couric. Of course. How did that I phrase. know it was going to be Katie Couric? You know, you know, you know, she loves that. She's phrase. a she filthy little minx. She really is. She's yeah. like, she's a, yeah. she's, she knows what she's doing. I, I mean, we all know the dancing gif picture that of her out there. <laughs> so like, we know that she would love that phrase completely. I love that. Well, that's another one I wanted to ask you too. So like you, you have this connection with, big celebrities and influencers and you know you're very much across the board like you're you're connecting with a bunch of different people in what way do you think that like celebrity culture and influencer culture is sort of morphing in in order to sort of i don't know explain sort of what you do and validate sort of where how you've gotten to where you are yeah um the closest thing i could say in terms of like putting it into into short words is is i'm like the Food Network's Kathy Griffin, where like what she did with, and I'm I'm obsessed with her. I'm obsessed. Same. I'm obsessed with my life on the D list, yes. all of her shows, yes. and she really was a master at talking about celebrity culture, very much in a Joan Rivers way. Um, that was so incredible and never felt thirsty to me. It always mm -hmm. felt like just insider view to a world that was different. Yeah. Um, and I think what we're seeing now is this intersection of the social sphere with traditional celebrity sphere, because we just have the viewership that is so large. Naturally, celebs are, are grouping into that. So when you start having people, especially when you're doing something like food, yeah. everyone loves to cook. Uh, I'm not going to say it online, but I will say a big celebrity texted me and asked for some copies to gift to an like a list celebrity and you're gonna have to me text me after this who I'm that gonna, is. I'm gonna text yes. you, i'll text you the video <laughs> please um and it was just one of those things where you just remember they're just people yeah. and everyone loves food everyone loves to cook so when you can be part of anyone's journey it doesn't matter i don't care if you are a celebrity uh uh everyday person anyone yeah. in between I just want to help you cook. Yeah. Um, obviously, when I get to do that to someone who's creating art that I love, mm -hmm. that is the best. Yeah. The best is when you have this world of, of like mutual respect of like, you have influenced me. Mm -hmm. Let me help you. Yeah. Um, so there is something really magical about that. And Kathy Griffin once, I remember I ran into her at like some comedy thing and she gave me the best advice for like finding funny stuff. She was like, if you can't look at yourself in the mirror and not find one thing funny about yourself, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. You got to laugh at yourself. If you're, and I see it all the time in the food world where yeah. people are not in on the joke. Yeah. 
the joke is it, it's like this is all about joy we're all clowns like mm-hmm. if you're not if you're yeah what are you uh, doing what are you doing you're no fun go away uh, go away okay so foodie con foodie con is coming and it's a big deal and obviously you're a big deal online so of course you'd be a part of foodie con what are you most looking forward to about foodie con I think, I mean, it's actually a perfect example of what we were just talking about. It's this, this crazy intersection of the traditional figures from Food Network that are so important to mm-hmm. like something like the, the New York City Wine and Food Festival and how they've integrated like this new wave of people on social that have these huge audiences that everyone wants to meet, everyone wants to hang out with, everyone wants to cook with. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not throw the two together um, for crazy events? Yeah. I mean, there's something about, I mean, I know you don't have performance anxiety, but like the idea of cooking live in front of people or like doing live demonstrations. And I'm not a scared person or a nervous person, but that would actually terrify me if someone had to watch my process of cooking. Are you, are you as terrified about that? No, but I think it's just, it's practice and experience. And I get some like some curveballs. Like I'll never forget. It was Hanukkah. I was doing live with Kelly and Ryan before mm-hmm. Mark took over. Okay. And they were like, uh, the executive producer was like, wanted me to make sufganiyot, the, the jelly donut. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that, that, that's intense. And they're like, great. We're going to do jelly donut start to finish. Great. We got to it. The show's running over. So mm-hmm. they give me, I have to do the whole thing and like, two and a half minutes and then on top of it it's me with kelly and ryan and then nicholas braun from succession was on the show they're like we're gonna throw nicholas in so it'll be the two of you with the two of them and and so i'm like i'm juggling him i'm putting him to work i'm doing this i (laughs) he like the whole thing's going and i did it and i finished and it was great and once you start to like understand like just do the best you can fit it mm-hmm. all into the time mm-hmm. people are tr- you just want to sell the dish yeah so if people then watch that they're not going to learn every single step but uh-huh. they're going to see a process and be like oh i, I want to make that tonight <laughs> so with all this like foodie influencer talent at foodie con it got me thinking about sort of the influence that food network stars have had on some of these influencers does one particular food network star stand out for you yeah, it's Rachel Ray. I, oh. I, when I tell you, like, she has been such a huge champion for me. I've been lucky enough to be a guest on her show a few times. She blurred my new book. She has, I think she is, A, one of the biggest inspirations in my life. Like, having growing, grown up watching her show, uh, very much like you were describing your obsession yeah. with the cooking shows, of watching her show and the ease in which she can work a camera and sell a recipe. Yeah. I once went to her show. I did it like a random bit on her, like the first season of her show, literally the first season. And it involved a cannoli and me quitting my job to go to the Rachel Ray show. And it was true. I did love. that. And she's incredible. I love Rachel Ray so much. Well, my last question for you, and this is something that I know I've never asked you, but it's something that I've always sort of been eager to ask you because when someone loves something so much, I can't imagine them hating anything about it. So what I want to know is, what food do you absolutely hate? Like, it makes you gag. I, I'll tell you right now, it's truffle oil. Oh. I hate 
truffle. I love a fresh shaved truffle and some pasta, super delicate. But the way that people are dousing truffle oil on French fries and everything in between, it is so putrid when it hits the table. I, I, and I'm like Larry David, where I'll make a scene, I'll make a face, I'll shame them for ordering it. That's a whole thing. Uh, yeah, no, not, well, not for me. Jake, I have to say, just because, you know, I love you so much and I consider you family and you're a good person, but like I also really, really, really love Oprah a lot. And that that could hurt your chances of ever hanging out with Oprah. No, I know, I know. But you know what? I got to be authentic. And if anything, <laughs> I, I think that that's staying on brand. No one wants an ass kisser. <laughs> well, Jake, I love you so much. Thank you for doing this. Love you. Are you hungry yet? I mean, are you hungry? I mean, hopefully you're not. Hopefully you were snacking throughout the whole episode. I highly encourage that for every single episode. But let me know what you're eating. I'm HLN Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. I hope you're able to leave a little rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And go subscribe to my newsletter at newsweek.com. It's called For the Culture. It's fantastic. And it comes out every single Tuesday and Thursday. And I'll be doing like the reactions to The Golden Bachelor and Survivor all season long. So go subscribe if you're watching those shows because I'll be saying some probably very colorful things. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day. 